Welcome to Peak Flow, where we optimize human potential one breath at a time. I'm Dr. Rob Williams, the co-founder and COO of Peak Flow, and with us on our Peak podcast today, all the way from the UK, we have Mike Mayer of Take a Deep Breath. Hi, Mike. Hey, Rob. Thank you for having me on. It's so great to have you on. I've been a fan of yours ever since uh, Lindsay, uh, our Peakflow founder turned me on to your stuff months ago. Uh, and I, I, I know we're going to have a rollicking conversation and limited time. So let's just get right to it. Um, before we talk about Costa Rica and how much fun you had there, um, <laughs> Mike, how did, you, how did you find your way to the breath? Yeah. And I, 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 at this point, I can make the joke that I've been breathing my whole life, but I won't go there because that's a bit of a cliche, I think, in our world. But um, yeah. Uh, I, I uh, went through a divorce in 2016 and I was just a bit mm, lost what to do. And I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast a lot. And he kept talking about this dude called Wim Hof. And I was like, I need to listen to that podcast. And eventually I did. And I was like, oh, there's something a bit weird going on here. And completely out of the blue, never done this before. I booked a, a, a one person ticket to Poland to go and spend a week with him. And uh, again, not my thing at all. I've always been, I always would travel with somebody, never done anything by myself, but something just felt really right. And uh, yeah, got, got to train with Wim for a week and uh, learned his breathing techniques, climb mountains in my underwear, minus five degrees Celsius. I'm not sure what that is in, in Fahrenheit, but bloody cold, um, you know, doing press ups and walking in the snow and all, all that crazy stuff you've seen on, on YouTube and on TV. Um, and then I just got a bit obsessed by it because I was like, wow, you can you can kind of get under the hood of the bonnet and you can start to change how you think and feel just by changing your breath. And it was a completely new concept to me. But then naively thought, oh, well, there's clearly only one breathing technique, the Wim Hof breathing technique. I had no idea. I had no idea five, six years ago that there's all these different techniques. Um, but anyway, long story short, a week with Wim and then that got me onto the path that I'm, I'm on now. Well, let's linger there for a moment. Um, as you know, Lindsay and I are both um, certified level two Wim Hof instructors ourselves. Are, are you trained as an instructor? No, no. So I just did the week's uh, retreat in, in Poland. Yeah. And survived. And survived. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there was moments where I thought I wasn't, but uh, yeah, yeah, survived. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Well, yeah, you make a really important point here, I think, about uh, breathing and the Hof style, Tumo inner fire, what we call hormetic breath work at peak flow or controlled hypoxic hypocapnic breath work. Uh, Lindsay likes to describe it as sort of the icing on the cake of breathing. Mm. You know, a little bit of Wim Hof goes a long way. Um, we certainly don't want to walk around all day breathing hormetically because we'd be, you know, on our backs in no time. Um, so, uh, but I'm curious before, so um, you met Wim, obviously you spent a, spent a week with him. Um, what was that? What was that experience like? Like, give us some gory details, highlights, low points, and then we'll move on. So, yeah, so I, first, I, yeah. And, Go, sorry. So he's a, he's an interesting character, to say the least. And being in his presence for a week, uh, it was the first time I've been around somebody like that. Um, and 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 in the most uh, complimentary way possible, the childlike uh, view of life is just beautiful. You know, this guy is having fun. The entire time and so a couple of bits that stick in my mind uh number one just coming back from a, a walk in the cold and wim's just outside barefoot in his underwear 
just doing dumbbell curls with his dog next to him. And I was like, what's going on? He goes, yeah, I'll do a hundred of these every morning. I was like, okay, <laughs> just, just, he's having a good time. Um, another one is on the very first night we had to get in, we went to Wim's house. He's got a small house in Poland where it's on the Vice documentary and we're staying at the hotel down the road. So you go to his house, he's got two or three saunas in the house. It's kind of set up for this. And outside in the garden is a big brick bathtub and you have to, and it's pitch black. There's no, I mean, I'm sure there is now, but there's no like safety net, uh, safety rubber mats anywhere. There's no lights out there. So you've got your mobile phone on with the torch. You're trying to find it. You're cracking the ice off. And uh, I, I, I knew I had to get in there first because I, what I didn't say was the reason, one of the reasons I was drawn to this retreat was because I was terrified of the cold. We used to, it sounds so pathetic now, but when I was a kid, we used to go on holiday and there was a, a, a pool, a non-heated swimming pool, and I couldn't get in it. And all my uh, siblings would get in, my dad would swim in it, and I would jump in and jump back out again. And so that limiting belief had always stayed with me that I can't handle the cold. And so that was the reason I was drawn there. So on this first night at Wim's house, I jumped in and I jumped back out again. I was like, ah, oh, shit. And so I went back into the sauna. I was like, I think I need to go home today or tomorrow because I can't, I clearly can't do this. I can't do a week of this. And Wim's in the sauna and he's, he's, he's got uh, one of those nice European saunas that have got the rocks, you know, the rocks that sit over the heater. And, he, and he's just getting his towel and he's just spinning the towel around, trying to get the sauna really hot for us. And he's singing and dancing. And, and I was like, and after about 10 or 15 minutes, I thought, you know what? Let's just give it one more go. Let's go back in the cold again because all my all my group of people been in five or six times, and that second time I went in, it it just all changed. There was a a relaxation. The shoulders came down. I breathed deeper, calmer, slower, and I just I describe it like going into a cold uh, into a hot bath. I just sank into this hot bath, and five minutes was was effortless the, the second time. Um, and, and in part that was Wim, and in part that was the peer pressure of seeing everybody else. But really, a lot of it came down to me just kind of, kind of saying, "I can do this," and just relaxing, and then following the breath. Um, and that was a big moment. But 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 Wim overall, just just being with him for a week. I had breakfast with him once, where we just sat up as each other and we had a chat for sort of half an hour. That was really special. Um, and just hearing him, you, you'd go to bed at night and you'd hear him downstairs playing guitar and singing. And just having just having a good time. So um, a lot of respect for the man. Genuinely nice person, uh, and just a real inspiration as well. Really inspiring guy. Those are great stories. Uh, what was the rest of the tribe like in your adventure with Wim? Um, can you describe them briefly? I'm curious. Yeah, m mostly male. Probably yeah. out of six out of sixty people, maybe five five females there, five women, um, and. Uh, but some of them look like bros. But that being said, the minute we did a, a two-hour Wim Hof session, so that's two hours of 30 breaths, a retention, Wim's doing it. Uh, we were all in floods of tears. We had big emotional releases. Uh, that was on maybe day two, something like that. We're all cuddling. We're all crying. And any barriers or anything were, were gone. There was no real ego there. There was no like toughness. It was just like a really beautiful group of people. And there was like a bond that happened very, very quickly with that, that deep breathing practice that happened. So, so lovely people stayed in touch with most of them since. Ironically, my best friend who have been best friends with for nearly six years now, we met on the Wim Hof retreat and just became best friends since I'm doing a podcast with him after this. Um, and he's, yeah. And, you know, just, just stuff like that happened. I've kept in touch with a, quite a few of them, actually. So a very special bond was formed with a number of humans that week. Wow, that, that powerful, powerful stuff there, Mike. And you kind of got in early on the Wim Hof experience. Yeah. And 
obviously the method and uh, Wim himself have really blown up over the past, what, seven, six years, I guess, since you did that. Yeah. You come back from Wim Hof and, and you're a man uh, transforms. How did you flow into the work you're doing now? Yeah, it's, that's that, that's the, the big bit for me, I guess. So, so number one, um, I, I'm, I've got a corporate background. I still have. I'm still working in the corporate world right now. Um, I'm transitioning into take a deep breath full time. So uh, by the end of this year, I will be 100% working on the breath business and, and the corporate world will finally be behind me. But I learned a lot from it. But I remember that I got back on, say, the Sunday from Poland. And on the Monday, I'm back in a, a big corporate meeting, a senior corporate meeting. And there's a lot of stress and a lot of people are kind of, you know, uh, blaming each other for something. And I'm so aware of my breath for the first time in my life. And I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm shallow breathing. I'm panic breathing. What's going on here? And so something started to go in my brain thinking, oh, I'm under stress. Look at how it's a change in my breath. Something I was never consciously aware of before. So that was a big light bulb moment for me. And that was 24 hours after the retreat. Um, but what happened, I, my background is video production. So I, I went to university and did video production. I, had a side hustle where I was filming people's weddings. I've done like 50 or 60 weddings in the UK. So I can almost quote what the vicar's going to say next during the, the ceremony. Uh, I got a little bit burnt out doing weddings, but um, so I had all the kit, all the editing side. And, and when I got back from Wim Hof, I don't know how many apps there were back then and, and all that sort of stuff, but I found it really difficult to practice the breathing by myself. It was a bit boring when you've been with 60 people in Poland in this big glass fronted building with mountains and nature and Wim is there and you're all breathing together and you can hear each other breathe and you've got connection. You can cuddle each other and hug. That's a powerful experience. When you go back home and try and integrate that, that's quite tough. And so I just started playing around and I made my first breathing exercise. And I don't even know why I did it. I popped that on YouTube um, and I shared that with my Wim Hof group because we were on a Facebook group together. Um, and really that was the start that just took off. Um, I think that one's had like a million views now and they just, they just kind of went from there. And anyway, I thought nothing of it. I think I put three videos on, forgot about the, the YouTube channel completely, went about my life. And then me and my girlfriend went on a Tony Robbins retreat. I'm sure if you're familiar with Tony and unleash the power within, um, and we, we quit our day jobs that week. We, we handed on noticing after we came back, I was like, we need to go traveling. And so at 35 and after sort of 10, 15 years in the corporate world, I gave notice and uh, we went traveling around the world, bought a one-way ticket out the country and we just left. We sold the car, we sold the, the bed. And uh, during that time, first few months, we're just, you know, seeing everything and photographing everything and then slowly get to a routine and, and purpose comes back in the need for purpose. And for whatever reason, I was like, I'm going to make some more breathing videos. I, I just feel like that's the thing to do. And so while in Bali, I remember getting hold of like different uh, voice actors and buying people's royalty-free music and just sitting there with my laptop and just editing these different breathing exercises together, all Tumo related, because that's all I knew. Um, and then the channel really took off. We got to sort of 10,000 subscribers. I was like, oh, this is brilliant. This might be something. Um, and then it was really during the pandemic where I was like, do you know what? I don't know enough about breathing, about the science. I have no idea who can teach me. And that's when I discovered the Oxygen Advantage, Patrick McEwen, who wrote that. Um, I took his course. I became an Oxygen Advantage instructor. Uh, yeah, there we go. That's it. You've got a different cover to me. We've got uh, some of your book covers are much cooler than ours in, in Europe. Um, and then I also did the Pateco uh, instructor course. And then Patrick said, I've just uh, interviewed 
and read the best book on breathing. I'm like, bloody hell, that's a big deal coming from him. There you go, cued you up there, yeah. And so, and so he presents breath to me. And I had in my corporate job just been a guest on a, a very small in, podcast about insurance, very, very boring. Um, and I was like, oh, this is on Zoom. This looks like it's just talking. I could do that. So very, very cheekily, I emailed James Nestor's uh, publicist and said, hi, I've got a channel all about breathing. He's got a book out about breathing. Would he consider being my first podcast guest? And they came back and said, yes. And then I remember within a week, I'm logging into Zoom and then James Nestor's just on the other end of Zoom. And I was like, oh, wow, that's that happened really fast. And then a week later, he was on Joe Rogan. And so my podcast just went like that. It caught the wind off the back of Joe Rogan. And that podcast hit about 160,000 views really quickly. Uh, and then I had Patrick on next because I had a relationship with Patrick through the, the training. And then very, very quickly, we're up to, I think, 60 episodes now of the Breathcast. Um, it's the number one breathing podcast in the world. We've had all the top experts on there. There's still loads of people I want to get, but we've had a lot of people. And my whole uh, kind of methodology is let's hear what you've got to say about breathing because there's so much to talk about. And so we talk about the biomechanics. We talk about the physiology. We talk about the mindset. We talk about the yoga side of things. We go deep into the science, all, all of that. And, and, and all views are welcome. And so that's that's really where we get to today. The podcast is live. And then I've just continued making breathing exercises um, and then you know uh i hear james ness has got a breathing retreat and so it's like well I, I really need to go on that and so i went on the breathing retreat and met Lindsay, and, and here we are talking today yeah. yes before we get to that um will you tell us how to find your videos online yeah sure so um if people just go to youtube and if they just type in take a deep breath uh my channel will come up first um, there's a picture of my smiley face um, and then you'll just come across all the videos are all in playlists um, and you'll find over 200 different breathing exercises. All the podcasts are on there. And also there's many small accessible clips of me talking about different things to do with breathing. For example, the benefits of nasal nitric oxide, mouth versus nose breathing, all that sort of stuff. So you can find detailed science broken down really easily. And then if you want to play with a breathing exercise, you can do all that for, for free as well. Yeah, it's a remarkable site. I, I curate on my phone a really small number of videos, and I have your video, Mike, about uh, resonance breathing right on top of my uh, video of Wim himself coaching three rounds. And uh, I use, I like to have Wim's voice in my ear most mornings, and I like to have your voice and your resonant breathing video in my ear when I'm when I'm interested in falling into that. But yeah, for Ooh. folks listening here who haven't discovered you yet, and I can't imagine anyone in the world who's interested in breath work who hasn't discovered you yet, go check out Take a Deep Breath on YouTube. Yeah, you're doing you. you're doing fantastic work. So bring us bring us to the Rip Jack in Guanacaste. Yeah. Bring us there. Cool. So I think you might have already interviewed my business partner. So Tom Granger. Oh, did your breath. So I mean, don't mean were had a business relationship yeah so so we've got a new business coming out called draw uh called i said draw breath that's his business called airheads and so our whole <laughs> mission there is to make breath work really accessible for everybody and, and demystify it so we're in the very early stages of that at the minute we had a meeting about that earlier today um and so he invite he said to me look i've got tickets to to see James Nestor, do you want to come and share a room with me? And I was like, hell yes, let's let's do that. That would be amazing. And so uh, 
we 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 shared a room and we saw James. We had a week with him, and it was it was a really really powerful experience to be uh, in the presence of him, a guy that's done two plus three plus years worth of research and breathing. And again, same as I talked about with the Wim Hof community, to be around a community of people. A couple of the, the group were quite new to breathing, but I say new, still way ahead of probably the average person, but everybody there had read the book and had a good base understanding of breathing. And so every conversation you could have was, was just really rich and powerful because everyone wanted to talk about different things to do with it. So it was like, um, you know, often in my corporate job, when I talk about breathing, people sometimes glaze their eyes over because they don't know the benefits. And I'm just seen as the corporate guy at work, you know, but uh, to find my tribe of people in Costa Rica was a really, really beautiful thing because we're all there. We all understand what's going on. And so friendships, again, were formed super easy. And how do you meet Lindsay? So, so Lindsay sat to the left of me on the very first night of dinner. So we, we had a big, two big, long tables and, uh, you know, it's like you get there and it's a bit awkward because you don't know anybody. Luckily, I knew Tom. So Tom was sitting opposite me. But we were trying to we were trying to make sure that we just didn't get stuck together. and We were trying to mingle with other people. And so we just started talking. And, to, and, she, and she, she just very humbly said that she was an oxygen advantage instructor. I didn't share anything else at that stage. I was like, oh, I'm an oxygen advantage instructor, too. Let's have a chat about that. And so we just just bonded over that. And then, you know, Lindsay, like everybody else, again, very, very humble. Um, so it was only after a few days we started to figure out who also does what so you know she's a wonderful uh, yoga instructor and she's traveled all over the world and she's got got peak flow and different people were like in the health profession and some people were big investors and so nobody was like kind of flashing that in your face it only came out through very organic conversations which is another testament to how really nice the people were on on that retreat i love the way you describe that story mike and you know you have probably been to as many conferences as I've been to over the years, maybe more. And, and there's this tendency um, when you parachute into a big conference um, for everyone to sort of want to, you know, kind of wear everything on their sleeve right away, you know, cause you don't have much time and you're there to network and sell and whatever. Um, there is something very powerful though about uh, a breath work retreat or a breathing experience um, it's conspiratorial. Like the word conspiracy literally means from the Latin to breathe together. And the way things kind of unfold organically breath by breath in a situation like that is, is really beautiful to watch and, and be a part of. And um, Mm -hmm. I've learned, you know, I've talked with Lindsay a little bit about the, the adventure that you all had, but it's really fun to, to get your perspective. What was like the pinnacle breath work moment for you? uh, on the retreat, would you say, or, or a pinnacle moment? Well, there's a couple. One was, um, James, the quality of the lectures James Nestor gave were, 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 you know, I've never seen anything better. His, his delivery, his, his way to talk to you as a, a small group, the slides he would present and the, and the detailed information, cause he's lived it. It's pictures of him doing different things. Um, and, and he could be a bit freer as well. Cause it's not on YouTube. So he doesn't have to be too curated. He can be, he can speak, you know, from the heart about a lot of stuff a lot more they, they were really good and then Lindsay guided us through some some breath work which was lovely and, and Tom also Tom did a fantastic session um around resonance breathing which was which was just wonderful and and that stayed with me he did this wonderful piano one yeah there we go there's the book yeah so it's so, a great 
really great so but you know what it also felt like to me was it was even though we had a, an official Wim Hof instructor there that was doing some some bits and bobs and he was the main guy teaching us um there was also this element of community because it felt like everybody had a gift so we had Pilates uh one day from one of the people Lindsay did some beautiful things Tom I did some stuff around opening up the the kind of rib cage uh different people brought different things um, and even though there was, a, there was a wonderful person there that had done some very powerful documentaries. And so he took us through not necessarily to do a breathing, but he just shared his work with us. And so what happened out of this uh, community aspect was we all came together and shared our gifts towards the back end of it. So again, just, just one of those experiences, one of those weeks that you'll take with you to the rocking chair when you're 90, you know, <laughs> I, I can't tell you what I did three weeks ago. Nothing stuck to me, you know, yeah. but I can remember what I did eight weeks ago in Costa Rica and that's in there now. And that's, that's the sort of stuff you want, isn't it? Those, those kind of powerful experiences. Oh, that's amazing. Were there any specific protocols from that retreat, Mike, that you took away with you and are now incorporated into your own flow? Would you say? It's, it, it, that's a good question. I, and, and I think for me, there was James's knowledge around breathing was good. But in terms of protocols, it's difficult because I've done the Wim Hof stuff. I've done the potato and oxygen advantage stuff. I think for me, what I've the, the most powerful learning I took was the, the power of being around people again, because for lockdown, personally, for me, the last two years, I've done all of my work in this room on looking at that lens assuming that there's a real person behind that piece of glass um and i've led you know breathwork instruction groups there I've, I've delivered courses i've had podcasts like this but then when all is said and done i'm still sitting by myself in a room and moving my meat suit across the planet and being around other people in sunshine that was a, that was the big thing for me it was like even getting on the plane was a weird experience because it'd been two and a half three years since i got on the plane and i was oh. like this is a bit weird because we could just do this on zoom and it took my it took my mind a little while to get used to the fact that no no there's a lot of benefit in you moving your body to a different part of the globe um yeah. and so i, I want to do a lot more of that i want to be around a lot more people breathe in the same room as a lot more people again and get in the sunshine so they, they were probably my biggest takeaways personally Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. We humans as a species, we are relentlessly social and uh, we need to be in each other's presence. We need to be exchanging not only electrons, as the quantum physicists like to say, catching up with the mystics, but we need to be exchanging breath. We need to be respiring together, inspiring one another and conspiring mm. as a, together. And that. It sounds like that was a really magical week. I'm actually uh, headed down to that retreat. Um, they're doing another one in October, so I'm going to oh, cool. wander down and uh, oh, check. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Well, so um, walk us through like what's a what's a breathing day in the life like for Mike? I, I was intrigued um, to learn that you're certified in all of these breathwork modalities, and you know the peak flow vision is this. What Lindsay. Uh, calls a breathwork ecosystem you know the idea that you can moving through your life kind of pull various breathwork arrows out of your quiver if you will yeah. as you so maybe a little half in the morning you're going into a really as you described earlier a really tense corporate meeting you can use a particular protocol to prepare you for that or move you through that or come out on the other end and 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 regroup mm -hmm. How do you how do you think about breath work in your own life, Mike? And then we can expand it to kind of your observations, maybe globally. Yeah. So 
for me, I started with the Hoff. Um, and I don't necessarily think that was bad, but my whole thesis now revolves around breathe the way nature intended. That's kind of the, the thing I'm putting out there. And so what I mean by that is let's get your foundation rock solid. So let's see how you're breathing at night. Let's see how you're breathing during rest. Let's see how you're breathing during your exercise and let's get that functional. And so that's what I apply to my own life because one of my core values is practice what you teach. So yeah. I want to make sure that when I'm working with my clients one-on-one -on -one or in groups or, or my online courses, I'm doing those protocols myself. And so for me, my morning often consists of, um, you know, some coherent breath work first, sort of 20 minutes with a bit of gratitude. And then I like to transition from that into uh, breath holds. So I'm trying to do a lot of uh, breath holds on empty lungs um, to really build up that, that CO2 tolerance. Um, and one, a couple of reasons for me personally, um, what I've got coming up next month is a bit crazy. So I've got a free diving retreat I'm going on. And so I don't want to be, you know, jumping out the water too quickly. I want to go a little bit deep. Um, and then after that, I'm going off to Ireland and Patrick's training me as a master instructor for Oxygen Advantage, which is very cool. Um, so I'm very excited about that. So, that's, yeah. so, so I'm just making sure, again, I practice what I teach. So, so for me, it's all about that. And then at night time, again, I, I, I will do Wim Hof and I will do some deeper exercises, but I, that tends to be more every couple of weeks for me. I like to downregulate as much as I can. I, I run quite hot. I would say, you know, I'm, I'm go, go, go. I'm running two jobs at the minute. And so I'm tr always probably more in the sympathetic stage. And so for me, there's regular breaks throughout the day where I'll just take some time, get myself into great posture, do some, some gentle breathing with a bit of movement um, and get that going. But yeah, the thing I'm trying to get out there now is you can do all this sexy stuff with breathing. You can huff and puff all day and that's great. And there's loads of benefits, but let's really work on your foundation. Let's get you breathing the way nature intended. Let's get you tolerant to the CO2 to the right levels. Um, and let's get you breath fit as, as uh, other people have called it. And then when we're at that stage and you've got good breath hold scores and you're not having to open your mouth as you walk up the stairs and you know, you're running at the gym and you're allowing your breath to dictate how fast you run on the treadmill or in the streets, not the other way around. Um, then let's start playing with some of the more sexy stuff that's out there. So that's kind of my whole, whole thesis. So I've kind of done a bit of a 180. I started with the tough stuff, uh, which I think a lot of people do because that's almost like that, that's what gets your attention. And ironically, now I'm doing another instructor course now with a guy called Michael Biker, beautiful human being. Um, I think he's the most successful um, online breath coach in the world. I think he's had 80,000 students go through his programs. And if you go on to Udemy and you type in breathwork, he, he will be the one that pops up first. But re and a really humble, nice person. Great, great, great recommendation for a guest. Um, and he... Last name? B-I-J-K-E-R. He was recently on my podcast just a, a couple of weeks ago. And so, and he's saying, you know, the, the big stuff is great, but it can become addictive. And he's right. That's how I found it as well, because you can get a nice state change. But where the deep work comes, which also I find true of meditation, is can you just breathe coherently for 20 minutes without getting distracted or without getting fidgety? And that's okay. It's okay to get like that. But it's about recognizing that, accepting that, and, and working through that. And so that's where I, I kind of place a lot of my attention these days is even though the big stuff looks really impressive and again it's got its place yeah. the more subtle stuff 
actually is a lot harder. It's a lot, lot harder. And, and in our distracted world today, where we're looking down at the screens and we're busy and we've got a thousand different things going on, it can be really hard to disconnect and just be by yourself for 30 minutes, 20 minutes. Some people being by themselves for an hour can, can freak them out, you know? And so I, I try to practice a very non-judgmental. it's okay, but we can get there. We can get back to the way nature intended, but we just need to just follow some very simple protocols. And there was a quote from Dr. Belissa Varanich, if you're familiar with her, she's very good. Right. I know Lindsay had her book, uh, Breathe, Warrior's Breath, Breathing, Breathing for Warriors. Breathing for Warriors. Yeah. That's it, Breathing for Warriors. And she said, and this has always stuck with me, you used to breathe perfectly. As a baby and as a young child, you breathe, uh, you know, uh, anatomically sound. But we lost it through poor role models and a bad posture and stress and anxiety and diet and all this sort of stuff. But your body used to breathe this way. It wants to breathe this way. And with a little bit of education, we can get back there again. And that always stuck with me because it's like, yes, our bodies want to be functional. We just need to give them a bit of help and un unpick some of the modernity that's kind of ruined us today. Yeah, civilization has beaten the breath work out of us, right? <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah, it has, yeah. Yeah, yeah Belisa, Belisa's really good on that point, as is uh, James, Nestor, and Wim, and Patrick. And yeah, can you, for folks who are listening or watching here who may not be familiar with this idea of coherence breathing, could you just explain a little bit about what's going on there? Sure. I'm, I'm buying, I'm, it really is, does it so beautifully, and I, I've, I've leaned on it heavily the yeah. past few yeah. So, so, so I'm still getting into the coherent side of things. Tom is an absolute world-class expert in this. So he will do a much better job, but the way it's been explained to me, and I've interviewed a couple of people from HeartMath um, Institute and, and Tom's been on my podcast. And so the way, uh, and, and Stephen Elliott as well, actually, I had a conversation with him. So the diaphragm, somebody described it today, it might've been Tom, actually, it's the second lung, second set of lungs, which I quite liked, but the diaphragm, um, when we breathe in a certain way, the diaphragm's got loads of secondary functions. So for example, it helps us go to the bathroom. It helps us um, massage our stomach and our guts and our liver and our kidneys. And all these wonderful secondary functions happen. It just doesn't just help us breathe. And when our diaphragm's locked, which so many of ours are, i.e. it's not moving properly, that can have a lot of problems. And so our diaphragm tends to move maybe one, two centimeters, but consciously we can move it up to 10 centimeters, which is bonkers, that, that difference from that to, to kind of that. And um, when we put emphasis on that, that can make a, a big difference. And so coherence breathing is an interesting concept, also known as the perfect breath um, or five, 5.5 seconds. Everybody's rate of coherence will be different, but if you get to around five seconds in, five seconds out, you're kind of getting the, the minimum effective dose. You're kind of ticking 90% of, of what you need. And so what it is, it's a normal breath in, not too stressed, not too, just very gently in through the nose and out through the nose, five seconds in, five seconds out, no pause on the inhale or the exhale, five seconds in, five seconds out. Now, what starts to happen here is your diaphragm is also responsible for influencing what's happening to your heartbeats. And so by breathing at that slow cadence, five seconds in, five seconds out, it starts to pump the blood slightly differently in your heart. And you'll know this better than me being a doctor, the ECG, EKGs, they start to sync up. So as your heart starts to beat a little bit differently and the blood rushes to the brain, it rushes in a different way. It's, um, 
they call it like a wave, a wave of blood goes up. And so your brain starts to sync up as well. And if you ever go on YouTube and type in metronomes syncing up, there's something called entrainment. So if they're on a wobbly board, all these different metronomes are flying all over the place. And after a few minutes, they'll start to sync up. Same with grandfather clocks. Um, and it's not anything spooky. It's just the vibrations underneath. And so what's going on with this coherence breathing is it gets you into this state of coherence resonance where everything's syncing up. And when you're in that synced state, some of the things that are happening are improved heart rate variability, a lower feeling of stress and anxiety, and a decent, a better feeling of calm. Now, again, that's about as deep as I go into that area. Tom's a real expert in it. But all I know is when I do that in that way, I just feel great. And interestingly, 20 minutes of that a day, I can increase my breath holds by 50%. So on empty lungs, let's say I can do 60 seconds of breath holds right now. Um, if I did 15, 20 minutes of coherence breathing, I get myself in a relaxed state. Um, I can get that from 60 seconds to 90 seconds. And it's the longest I've ever done it on, on empty lungs. And I, I believe that's because I'm in a really relaxed, calm state. And I've been breathing a little bit lower. So it's, it's a wonderful breathing technique. Heart math apply gratitude to it which i think is really interesting so you take a, a moment in time or something you're really grateful for and you put your hand over your heart and over your chest and you really think about that person's face that you love or that dog that's you know no longer with us or whatever it is um, and you start to really get that powerful feeling of gratitude and then you continue doing that breathing exercise that's very very powerful and the other people that are very good in this area are dr brown and dr gerberg um, and they did a lot of work with September 11th survivors in New York, and they did a lot of stuff with trauma. And this was part of their protocol, this, this coherence breathing. So the more I keep hearing about it, the more I start to think maybe this is the perfect breath because you've got all this other stuff, which is again, in the ecosystem, there's so much in there. But what I like about this is it's not huffing and puffing. So we're not, we're not kind of leaning on the sympathetic system. It's not the potato, which is like, I'm starving myself and I'm feeling really uncomfortable. It's this beautiful middle ground where actually almost anybody can do it. And maybe some people they'll struggle, maybe they need to do it a little bit faster and they'll slow down and get there. But actually it's, a, it's one of the most accessible breathing exercises. You can do it when you're pregnant. You can do it if you've got, you know, issues, um, asthma, it's something that we can all get involved in. Whereas the other stuff comes with a bit more of a health warning. I think this one's just a really nice breathing exercise. Yeah. And it opens the door to deepening mindfulness practice through meditation or prayer or whatever your go-to is mm -hmm. yeah. it's incredibly powerful. And you're right at one level, so easy. Yeah. And yet we really struggle with it. This is a good segue to breath holding. Um, how do you approach that maybe in your own universe, but also, um, when you teach it or you, you produce videos about breath holding, how do you describe the, the both the breath hold itself and the bennies? Yeah. So, so the breath holds a really interesting one. And I've, I've had what, what's been really good for me, uh, and also a pain in the bum is I've really struggled with breath holds and the, and all these different scores. And so this practice, what you teach has been really powerful for me because I had really poor breath hold scores and I would reach panic quite quickly. Um, and so I've had to really work on, on my own breath holds. And so for me, it's things like not eating plenty of time, ideally a couple of hours before you, you, you try and do this sort of stuff. And also recognizing that so much of it is mental or psychological because when I, for example, um, interviewed Niraj who does Soma breath 
And he was saying, no, you know, you can do it. You just got to, you got to calm yourself down. And just having him say that with such um, reverence and just such uh, authority, that really helped as well. So for me, a lot of it's psychological, a lot of it's practice. The benefits for me are, uh, I believe that a strong breath hold, a long breath hold is a good indicator of your breath health. And so if you've got a really short breath hold, and I know Patrick teaches this in Oxygen Vantage and Pateco teaches it with the control pause, and they're slightly different because that's the impulse to breathe. But your tolerance to holding your breath is probably one of the most important things to like your, your health and your longevity. Because if you if you're going, if you can hold your breath for a few seconds, which long COVID patients are getting now, three, four seconds, some people with long COVID are holding their breath for, it just is an indicator of what's going on with the breathing apparatus. And so for me, it's slow and gentle wins the race. When I did the oxygen advantage and I saw some people with long breath hold scores, I was like, I can beat that. I need to beat that, you know, and, and I couldn't. And then I was getting frustrated and, the, and the, my, my, my numbers would drop. And so the way I've tackled it, going back to the drawing board was uh, many small breath holds are great. You know, you just do a couple of seconds here and there. Um, and more recently now I've progressed to the coherence breathing followed by breath holds, but also swimming. And again, we've got to be careful and there's, there's warnings with this. You don't want to hyperventilate and get in the water, but just swimming underwater, I find. And that, that triggers the, the kind of diving, diving reflex. But I would say it's, it's something to be careful with. You shouldn't do it if you're pregnant. Shouldn't do it if you've got heart conditions. You should speak to your doctor before you do these sort of things because it can be quite stressful. But I think it's just a case of building and building and building. Um, and at some point, you'll start to feel a bit like when you do bicep curls and you can go to a slightly heavier weight, you'll start to feel that you can go a little bit longer. And I've interviewed a guy called uh, Tom Zetas. He was the first human to hold his breath for 10 minutes, um, freediver. And he was the first human to hold his breath for 22 minutes with oxygen. And he is all about, uh, this is a psychological thing. And it's about relaxation. Now, of course, you've got to train for it. You've got to get your body fit and all that sort of stuff and run and all those sort of things. But so much of it is an indicator of how you deal with stress. And so for me, what I have personally found is the more that I practice my breath holds, the longer that I can go, the more that I find different strategies to extend my breath holds, the easier my life is when I leave this room as well, because actually it's not a problem. And an example, a recent example is... Um, I did my longest breath hold in this room a couple of weeks ago, like I say, like a 90 second one, empty lungs, no hyperventilation. I then went into the sauna later that day and I did my longest sauna time as well. And even though I was really uncomfortable, I was like, this is nothing compared to my breath hold this morning because that was uncomfortable. And so a bit like doing hard yoga sets you up for the day or jujitsu or that sort of thing. For me personally, it's almost like this uh, discipline of the more that I practice my breath holds, the more it kind of sets me up for whatever the day is going to throw at me. Yeah. And when you say breath hold, just to be clear for folks listening who may not know, you're talking about breathing in and then passive exhalation to the bottom and you begin the hold the breath hold at the bottom of the exhale yes so so i so with wim hof breathing for example tumo people tend to do a lot of hyperventilation and then they can hold their breath for two three minutes i'm talking about a very different version of this because that's obviously well not obviously for people that don't know when you've done some hyperventilation your co2 is very low and co2 is the first impulse to breathe so if we blow off all that co2 we can hold our breath a lot longer but it's a it's there's a co2 builds again what i'm talking about here is just from a sitting position um just a normal breath in a normal breath out and hold that's a very different hold yeah yeah and and 
can you describe kind of biochemically what's going on there as a as a trained OA guy? Because um, uh, people are probably wondering, like, why would you ever do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Um, so we have um, something called uh, chemoreceptors in, in the, the back of our head. And they, these are fantastic. They keep us alive. So what they're doing is these receptors are constantly checking our, our blood and they're checking um, how much CO2 is in there because what we don't want, when we hold our breath, um, what happens is our CO2, our carbon dioxide goes up. And the more CO2 we've got, the more acidic our blood becomes. And so our body doesn't want to become acidic. It's very, very bad for the brain. Um, and when we hyperventilate, the more alkaline our blood becomes. Now, we've got to be careful with this. We can get lost down this route. People go, oh, it's good to be really alkaline. We should do more hyperventilation. <laughs> uh, you know, we want to be in a homeostatic position of, you know, balance, a nice pH balance for us. Um, but our, our brain is very sensitive because it doesn't want things out of whack. Because of the way we live today, because of the posture that we have, because of the jobs that we do, because of the food that we eat, because of the stress we put ourselves under and the role models that we have, we have become chronic mouth breathers. You know, we get a, a, Patrick McEwen talks at, at length about this, about children running around the playground with their mouths open, um, you know, about us being stressed, going up the stairs, opening our mouths. And so what happens is these, this, uh, this, these chemoreceptors are quite sensitive to that and they adjust. And let's say that we should be, just for argument's sake, a healthy score is 80%, which our chemoreceptors should be 80% efficiency, let's say. If I mouth breathe all the time and I'm stressed and I'm not, you know, maybe move my body much, then that might drop to say 40%. So what that means is when I hold my breath, when my, uh, and these numbers are just for argument's sake, just help us here. Once uh, my uh, carbon dioxide reaches that 40% marker, the signal is going to my brain to breathe faster, to breathe more, to get more air, because we're not used to it being any higher than this, and we need to breathe. Now, the problem with that also, it's a vicious circle, because then we breathe faster, we probably use our mouths, and we erode that score even more. But we can, through a series of protocols, slow breathing, gentle breathing, breathing light, using our nose, mouth taping at night, all these wonderful things that sound a bit bizarre, we can actually reset our chemoreceptors back up to say that 80% marker, which means that when we hold our breaths or we go for a walk or we're going for a run, it's going to take a little bit longer before our body starts to go, well, our CO2 is too high now. We need to start breathing a bit quicker, a bit faster. And so most of us probably breathe dysfunctionally to some degree. And so we've got a bit of wiggle room there in terms of we want to be trying to improve our, 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 yeah, our breath holds because the breath holds again is that indicator. So if you can, there's something cool. I don't want to get too, too technical down this route. And I'm sure you spoke about this on the podcast before, but with, uh, Bateco, they call it a control pause. So you do a normal breath in and a normal breath out and you hold your breath and you wait for the first impulse to breathe. The only problem with this is it's a little bit subjective because what does that mean? Is it the diaphragm fluttering, all these different things? So people will then say, oh, how many steps can you walk? Personally, I like a metric that I can measure. So that's why I do seconds because every second is the same. So we do a normal breath, a normal breath out. And how many seconds can I hold my breath for? And then I've not walked too many steps too fast or too slow, or it's not an impulse. And then that's my measure. Yeah. And this is called referred to as the bolt, the body oxygen level test in the oxygen advantage world. Um, you know, more or less the same diagnostic. Sure. That was a really beautiful explanation. I, and I've been playing with breath holds while running over the past many months. And I, I think the biochemical uh, element of breath work is the hardest to understand. Um, you know, we talk about LSD breathing, breathing light, uh, um, kind of the 
that that's the biochemical nature of it and, and mixing those respiratory gases, retraining those chemoreceptors, optimizing all that. Yeah, there's a lot of really interesting science and it's a little heady. Everybody gets sort of breathing slow, right? The cadence, everyone sort of gets with the biomechanics, uh, you know, breathing deep and diaphragmatic, you can kind of coach that fairly easily. But yeah, but the biochemistry is so fascinating and there's so much we don't know. Yeah, the, the most interesting bit I found about it was um, again, not to get too technical, but we're all on a breathing podcast here. So the way the oxygen binds to the, the hemoglobin in the blood cells was fascinating to me. And so just, just as a very br brief explanation of this. So um, in each of our uh, red blood cells is around 270 million hemoglobin proteins. And each of those can hold four oxygen molecules. Now, the thing is, if we're mouth breathing, then what the affinity or bond is stronger because the body doesn't want to release oxygen unless there's a rich CO2 environment. And if we've blown all that CO2 off, the body doesn't think we need to release the oxygen. And so Patrick describes it as you're literally starving your body of oxygen by mouth breathing. And, and that to me is the most, one of the most powerful things to keep your mouth shut, I think. Yes, and there's this kind of interesting creative uh, tension between the Hoff community and the OA community about you know the, the relative benefits of hormetic um, breath work, uh, yeah. Wim Hof style or Tumo style versus kind of the, the OA protocols where you're literally using the breath holds to retrain the chemo receptors. And yes. yeah, it's fascinating. And, you know, I think it's all good. And again, it's about the arrows and the quiver, but, uh, yeah. well, yeah. we have talked for almost an hour, Mike, and wow. I want to respectful of your time, maybe last question for you today. And, uh, we'll, we'll continue this conversation, um, both online and I'm sure in person someday, but, um, what do you see Mike for the future of breath work globally? I mean, you've been in this now, this space now for years. Um, and it does seem like breath work is having its moment. What, what do you envision? I think and I've, I have given this a lot of thought, actually. It, I think it will end up being the, the new yoga. I think it will be the thing. My, my dream will be you, you'll be able to go down to your local health center and there'll be yoga classes that you can take and, and, you know, Les Mills fitness classes. There'll also be breath classes that are in there as well. And it will just be a, a, a part of schools. Um, it'll be part. And I, I think as more and more science comes out, the work James Nest has done, you know, documentaries that will be released in the future. My hope is this shift to uh, breath work being recognized as being super important because the study is there. And I know there's a whole balance around pharmaceuticals and blah, 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 blah and all that sort of stuff. But I, I really do feel like we're starting to turn a corner now. There's just so much evidence that we're, people are breathing poorly. And as I said, it's our foundation. Because if your breath is off, your sleep is off. And if your sleep is off, your diet and exercise have got no chance. And so we need to fix that foundation. And although I'm, a, I'm in my own echo chamber, because all I talk to is breathwork instructors <laughs> and teach breathing. So I might be way off here, but I, I do feel like it's 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 going to peak in the next couple of years. I really do. I've just recently been speaking to somebody that's been developing some really interesting wearable tech where you can measure the CO2 that's coming out and it's Bluetooth. I've got the AeroFit. I'm starting to see all these devices that are coming out in the market. Um, and I feel like, uh, yeah, I think, you know, this is so 
so so more much more popular than it was three four years ago that it's not it's no longer a niche weird fringe thing i even had a friend come to me go oh that wim hof thing you did a few years ago i can see now you were right you know there was <laughs> i didn't know i just you know picked it but i i, I just think it's going to gain more and more popularity and then we've probably got a duty then to make sure that it's done properly as the people that are in it now because it is very easy to get stuck down the sexy path of let's just huff and puff and so i think our duty as, as people in the industry today is just to make sure that it's done safely and it's done with science and we're not claiming too many bizarre things because you can find breath work as a heal all can't you if you're not careful uh you know weight loss did all these things and of course there are indirect benefits for those things but i just saw a video the other day saying um stop aging by breathing exercises and i was like okay there might be some evidence there about telomeres being improved but maybe you've gone a bit far with that so i think it's just about um yeah i the short answer is i think it will be the new yoga i think it's going to be a really popular thing and i i, yeah. I hope it's i hope it's everywhere yeah you too yeah as we say at peak flow uh you can choose your breath and change your life um or, or as i'm fond of saying you know we breathe and nestor reminds us of this twenty thousand to twenty five thousand times a day we breathe and every breath is an opportunity yeah well, Mike, it has been so fantastic talking with you. Mike Mayer of Take a Deep Breath. Find him on YouTube. Follow his work. It's fantastic. His videos are amazing. Mike, I can't wait till we talk again. Thank you. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, we'll have to get you on the breathcast as well, Rob. Well, I would love that. Thank you for having Lindsay on. I look forward to that conversation when it drops, and we'll certainly promote the heck out of it at uh, Peak Flow. And um, thanks so much for all the work that you're doing over the pond there. And um, we'll be in flow, and we'll talk again soon. Sounds great. Thanks so much. Thanks, Mike. Be well. Breathe on. Mm -hmm.